So today's episode is a question and answer from our listeners. All three of them. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, take take do do uh, take all of this information. I'm not going to call it advice. Quote but take unquote. Yeah. All of this information that we give you with a grain of salt as we have iterated many times we are not experts or therapists we're just speaking from experience and sharing what things work for us and hopefully this will help you too i like to go on walks with my friends and that's when we get all of our questions and answers answered with each other so consider this like going on a walk with a friend and asking a question to that friend and having them respond yeah, you could even go on a walk while you listen to this. Mm, yep. That could there be cute. Welcome to One Fry Short, you know, of a happy meal. I'm Jamie Spielmaker. And I'm Rachel Wynn. We're just two women having candid and empathetic conversations about mental health and how we can support each other. We are not experts. Not even close. But if you want to feel less alone in your neuroses, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're going to keep this one. Well, I thought we'd keep it lighter, but the questions are a little heavy. Well, we have one stupid one for my husband. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) you gotta love our producer. Yep. Our executive producer, Connor Spielmaker. Mm hmm. Um, I think we should call this episode the blind leading the blind because (laughs) yeah, we don't have, this is just like, I think, yeah, we don't have the answers. We just have experience. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. How are you doing with January? Oh my God. It sucks, doesn't it? We knew it was going to suck and it sucks. I just like, I don't understand how bad, like, I was thinking about it earlier this week. I never remember. I never remembered feeling like this as a kid. Yeah. I never really felt like January was this abysmally bleak month. We were in school for eight hours a day. Maybe that's Or even in college. It's Um, really just in my adulthood that I just feel so. I don't know. I think I felt it in college. Mm-hmm. I remember just feeling so antsy to get out. Like to graduate or to like just get re- in, done with in the winter. You, you're, I went to Auburn, so I was kind of in the middle of nowhere. Cute town, but middle of really not much mm-hmm. around it. And when it would get cold and gray, there just wasn't much to do outside. And I just can't stay inside. Yeah. I like, can for one day. Like, like Ollie. A, yeah, exactly. I am like Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> Not not Claire. I couldn't sit on my iPad all day, but yeah, I felt the itch to like, okay, I need spring. Like we had one spring day last week where it was we in the sixties. It was nice. And I was like, I felt like that meme of that guy who's like walking out of the building that's going around now and like clapping. Yeah. I, I just felt this excitement for spring. So I saw daffodils start to shoot up and I was like, Yeah, it's almost here. Oh, I'm not there yet. Mm, well, it late. was one day of that. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm back to cold gray. I don't know. I just need to be outside. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I started going to yoga. Oh, started, where are you going? Uh, Highland yoga. That's where oh, I always nice. have gone. Yeah. 
but I haven't, I haven't gone in three years. Wow. You check in, you're like, might be in the system, might not. Yeah. Like, and I was a little nervous about it, but it all came right back to me. Oh, it's so good. That Zen you have after yoga, it's almost yeah. like being high or something. Oh, so nice. So I'm like excited about that, but I do, it's hot yoga and I have like mm-hmm. melasma mm-hmm. on my forehead, mm-hmm. just like pigmentation from the sun. Mm-hmm. And I treat it with very expensive products. Uh-huh. And hot yoga only makes it worse. So that's just great. Yeah. Just great. You win some, you lose some. I guess so. That's life. One of my friends said, you giveth with your right hand and your left hand taketh or something. Yeah, that's exactly how it feels. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the questions. Okay. Let's see. What do you think the primary barrier to entry is to seeking therapy besides money? Maybe finding a therapist, like the effort of finding one, right? Yeah, I think finding one. And like, I think for me, I go through phases where I'm like, I don't need to go to therapy. It's fine. I can I'm work good. through it on my own. I'm fine. And then three days later, I'm like, oh my God, I need a therapist. Yeah. And it's really hard. Like, it's a very personal journey. It's like finding a dermatologist or a hairdresser mm-hmm. word <laughs> of mouth. Like, it's like, it's a, it has to be a chemistry thing. How do I end my relationship with my therapist when I feel I'm ready to move on? That's a good one because as people who are anxious, the anxiety of how am I going to tell I'm going to hurt their feelings? Like, how do I, that one, there needs to be like a click this button on my website if you want to end and tell me why instead of having to schedule a whole appointment. I mean, I have definitely been like, I'm, I'm just better now. I'm good. I'll hit you up if I need you. But you kind of like reach, you kind of reach an end with some and you're like, okay, we did what we needed to do. And now we part ways. I think it is normal to plateau with a therapist. This is like a stupid analogy, but I took piano like my whole life and I read, I took it for years with this one teacher and it got to the point where she could no longer teach me anything and I I needed to get a new one. Yeah. And I remember her like going to my mom and being like, I can't teach her anything else. Like she needs a new teacher. Oh, um, so it, there's not, there should be no stigma attached to it and you shouldn't feel weird about it. I think it is an awkward conversation. I think it can be as simple as sending an email though. Maybe it's for them. That's why I'm like, it should be a for like a form that you like say I'm done. Any reasons why mm-hmm. for, you know, what stuck with you? What didn't like an exit interview? Yeah. I think that would be super effective. Because I think a lot of like, one of the things I hear often from my friends who are in therapy are is, I feel like I don't get actionable steps. Mm -hmm. And I think there are different styles of therapy. Um, But if you don't have like a game plan, I feel like it can feel... Like you're stagnant mm-hmm. or you're just spending $165 to vent. to vent. Yeah. And I have felt that way sometimes Same. with different therapists in my life. It's a, it's a delicate dance. It's like, it's a, it's to a point. I mean, it's a relationship, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, 
it's not going to be perfect every time, but if you're making progress in like key areas of your life, you know, I think it's worth it. But if you're not like yeah. for a long time, I felt like I was like circling the drain. Mm-hmm. That's how I would put it. And Connor yeah. was like, you're not making any progress. Like you're not making any progress. Yeah. Sometimes it takes an outside opinion. Yeah. I think to say, yeah. um, and someone who you can be completely, Oh wait, you're saying an outside opinion like Connor telling you that this isn't the right fit. Yeah, I see that. Because sometimes you're like, this is just going to take time for me. But then at what point you're like, okay, well, this isn't happening. I mean, I've gone through a lot of therapists, not because I didn't like them, but just because of I'd be better. And then, oh, six months later, I wouldn't. And um, I've gotten to the point where, with the last therapist. So usually, so I have found some of them on psychologytoday.com where you type in where you live because they have to be um, in your state, certified in your state and practice in your state. And then you can just see what they specialize in. And some through word of mouth, some through my doctors who have, I've, I've asked. Um, and so they usually do like a 15 minute intro call. So you can see what their style is. You kind of see if you're a fit. And this last one, I was like, I want to work on, like, are you trained with, in working with highly sensitive people? Because I do think that might be where some of my overwhelm comes from. I like mistake overwhelm for depression. Also, I need someone who gives me tools because I will vent. I need mm-hmm. you to like veer me off of my venting and say, you know, give me a tool to work through that. Mm-hmm. not just listen to me vent because I will do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've gotten to the point now where I know how to ask for what I want with it and and see if they're right. It's kind of like dating. Yeah, totally. Isn't it like dating? And you do kind of grow close to this person. Did you see that Kristen Bell skit that she did for Funny or Die where no. she was talking about how badly she went at her therapist to like her because she thought she was so cool? Oh. <laughs> she was like, I know if I see you at Trader Joe's we won't say hi to each other because we're not allowed or like something like that. But I wish you would ask me to hang out sometime because I think you're so cool. And I don't know. It was a funny skit. I can post it on our sub stack, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I think the way you phrase it, a delicate dance is so, is so right with that because yeah, you kind of reach a point where you can't learn any more from that person and, and like your needs evolve. Yeah. So like you may go to therapy struggling with one thing and then end up struggling with something else that you need really particular attention to. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's like life stages, you know? Yeah. So, and then, you know, if you're feeling like you've plateaued, you probably have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, we mm. asked our Instagram followers, so I had my therapist appointment last Tuesday and on Monday I was like, oh, how can I cancel? I don't want to do this. Yeah. I need to figure it out 24 hours in advance so I don't get charged. Do I say something came up with the kids? Because sometimes that does happen. And I was like, I just don't want to, and I had all this anxiety. And I was like, does anyone else feel this? And like 20 people said yes. And one person said no. And it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie selected, no, I don't get anxiety. I'm ready to unleash it all. I'm- I'm ready. Yeah. I'm like, here's my Excel Crack sheet your fingers. of Stretch all the it. shit that I have worried about this week. Are you ready? My Excel sheet. I'm ready. Yeah. Um, I think another good question to come off of this is how do you know when you can start 
like, how do you know what your cadence should be of every other, every week, every other week? Oh, I think I'm really good now. So do I just stop or do I do once a month or do I do a friend told me she does like maintenance every three months, like quarterly, because I would say that would be good because probably by the third month, I'm like, oh, I could do a check-in. Yeah. I think I need that. I need more than that. Well, I think it depends on stages. Yeah, no, I think it totally depends too about, and in, in terms of how good you are at self-regulating, which I'm not. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like a therapist will suggest a cadence like, okay, see you next week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see you Friday. <laughs> like, Do you have oh, any openings tomorrow? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and it's definitely, I mean, and it's, it's an investment. I mean, it's oh, not it's so, cheap. I hate that. I hate that. It is so inaccessible. And for people who don't have like Rachel and I are quite privileged. We have access to therapy and resources and funding, mm-hmm. you know, money to, to pay for it. But most therapists don't take insurance. Insane. Insane. We have a mental <clears throat> health crisis. I think during the pandemic, there was something with insurance companies because my was mine was only $25 a session. Mine is not. And I think it, I think it expired, but I'm like, we're in the middle of a mental health. It's, it's so bad. Um, and I think about the people who are living with mental illness, they don't even know they're living with mental illness, mm-hmm. who don't have the resources to even like recognize that something is not right. Mm-hmm. And that just like pains me. I know. Because if I, I don't know, if I was that, like, I don't know. It- also, some therapists will be like, I'll give you a super bill and you can work with insurance on it. And I was like, I would... I hate that. I hate both options. I hate having to pay that much. And I hate having to deal with insurance because you have to fight with them. You know, it's going to be a fight and I can't, I don't have energy for that in this right now. No, it's yeah. You're going to therapy. I mean, going to therapy alone takes like so much energy. Yeah. Um, should we see what the next question is? Um, Oh, we already answered the other one. How do I know when it's time to move on? Um, is therapy a forever prescription or can I go for six months and be cured? Kind of answered that one. I think it's like, if you're really in the depths of it, you know, you figure out what cadence is best for you weekly, every other week. Mm -hmm. And then I think as you start to work through it and you kind of phase out and then you phase back in again, because life happens. Yeah. And I also think, I also think that this is my personal belief, but I don't think that men mental illness like anxiety can be quote unquote cured mm-hmm. I think it can be treated oh yeah um that is one thing I don't like when when I'm open about being on an antidepressant and the first question people ask is so do you think you'll be on it forever maybe I don't know like don't know. It, it's working right now but like that to me at first it didn't Feels- bother me multiple people started to say no. that and then I'm like there's the stigma of I know like <sighs> I was seeing a um, holistic wellness doctor for a minute <laughs> and they were adamantly vocally against antidepressants. And I was like, well, this is what I'm doing. So sorry about it. Oh, I hate that. I mean, are they a cure all fix all? No. no, I don't think I think there probably could be a better solution like 
shrooms. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, no. But like, I think there could be a better solution to it. But you know, this is what we have right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to do other things to help myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to put all, you know, my pills in one basket. <laughs> <laughs> my pills in one bottle. Yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, I don't. If you're living with like anxiety or depression or obsessive compulsive disorder or something along those lines, I don't know that it can be cured. You know, I think yeah. you can't. I, do, I don't. Can I think you it's rewire? A, Is it a. So that's what I'm curious. I want to ask my therapist about is, am I like this because of a wiring in my brain and I'm working to rewire it? Yeah. And I think you can create new pathways in the brain. Like, Mm -hmm. so for me right now, I am, I have a lot of intrusive thoughts. I've always had lots of intrusive thoughts that make me very anxious and through my own education, through podcasts and different things that I follow and read, I'm I'm trying to train myself to accept my intrusive thoughts at face value and move on with my day mm-hmm. and not, oh my God, I had this thought. What does it mean? Because you think it, it's real. Yes. Trying to, yeah, not yes. think that. And, and have a thought. Okay. You had a weird thought. It was weird. It was so weird but you're not going to sit around for four and a half hours and consult the internet about the thought, <laughs> which I have done. Yeah, everyone has. Let's be honest. Have they though? Well, not for four and a half hours. I mean, to the oh, point wait. where you can't like get out of bed like that. Oh, no, no, no. That's yeah. yeah. So do you ever wonder with your, th- I feel like I spend a lot of time with my therapist telling her my thoughts to have her be like, oh, that's a normal thought. A lot of people think that. Like, I just want to be like, this is a thought. This is what I do. Do other people do that? Mm-hmm. And I realize that's part of why we started this podcast is because I didn't realize what I was in was depression. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize what I had was anxiety until my other friends told me. So it helps to know you're not alone. Like, I tell her all these things being like, do other people do this so that she can be like, you're not alone in this, but it's also not something you should have to live with. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you have that thought, you need to just like, don't you wish we had our therapist on tech? So I could be like, this is what I'm thinking. Is this legit? And they can be like, no, that's that's an intrusive thought. Yeah. Get it out. Yeah. But I think you have to just cultivate this like trust thing with yourself to be like, this is. Well, I don't trust myself is the problem. I don't. I'm working on it hard. Yeah. Hard. I think that's why I spiral when I get sick is because, so I was sick on Friday going to Huntsville and I took my migraine medicine to Motrin and then I was like, wait, now I'm nauseous. Am I going to throw up? Like, am I going to get sick in the car? And is this my anxiety? Like I do this constant spiral and it's because I don't trust myself to know if I'm sick or not. So I do that too. Like on the day of my birthday, I woke up with a sore throat it was fully sore. Mm-hmm. I felt really tired. I took some cold medicine. Then it just went away. And yeah. I'm like, am I like creating myself yes. out? And this is not the first time that this has happened. Yeah. And I actually after had. Christmas, after the mountains, right? You said. Or were you actually sick? I don't know. I had like a weird chest thing. Yeah. It was like three or four days of like coughing and weird chest stuff. 
but it just kind of went away. Yeah. And then I do the thing where I, I'm like, oh, I'm tired. <gasps> I need to go get my blood checked. Yeah. I, are my platelets low? Um, bad. Like that is a, a whole other spiral. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yes, self-trust is, I think, the antidote to spiraling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> well, that you know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> the work of a lifetime. Yeah. Don't ask us about how to do it because we don't know. Uh, um, okay. This one is for you. Okay. How do you tackle the OCD perfectionist meticulous spiral? Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Do you tackle it or do you just embrace <clears throat> it and free fall with it? Oh, God. This is a this has been a lifelong struggle for me. I am a massive perfectionist and I will ruminate on mistakes. Mm. Ruminate and torture myself and tell myself this story about how I'm actually not talented or good or skilled and go down this hole mm. of like, I guess maybe I just need to quit life and live off the land. <laughs> that is my go-to <laughs> that, you know, that's my, we need to have an escape mountain house for those moments. Yeah. Like I get in this, this spiral where it happened this morning. I got some feedback, um, from someone and I walked over to the cliff, looked down and jumped. Yeah. You know, and um, I sent the feedback to my husband because he's always a great litmus test of you're being insane or yeah. this, is, this is legit. And he was like, uh, this was very positive feedback. Oh. And I was like, did we read the same email? And yeah. he was like, uh, yeah, all of this is very normal and you should feel fine. Okay. And I was like, I guess I am psycho. <laughs> so I guess... Is there anything your therapist has told you for how to, no, you haven't think, gotten a proper So tool? I think one of the things is to number one, be thankful for your perfectionism. It makes you great at what you do. It makes you really skilled. It makes you, um, it makes you good at what you do. It does. But the trick is to it, Again, with the intrusive thoughts, you have a thought, I could have done way better there. I fucked that up. I should have spent more time on it. Accept it and move along. Mm. Force yourself to move forward. Don't, you know, what I, you know, I'll sit on the couch for three and a half hours and watch Housewives and think about what a piece of shit I am. Mm. You know, so it's like, you know, you ruminate and you try to distract yourself with all this other stimuli and it really just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. So just move forward. That's the only, I mean, I'm working on it. This is like a thing that I'm actively trying to work through in my life. And unfortunately, as the older I get, the more susceptible I am to taking my intrusive thoughts more seriously. Mm -hmm. I, of course, had intrusive thoughts, I think, throughout my whole life. But for some reason, when I was younger, I was more resilient to them. Mm -hmm. It was like, huh, that was fucking weird. All right, whatever. I got to go to a, I got to go to a, um, a chapter meeting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but now I'm like, oh God. Do you think it's because we were so busy and had people around? I think that's it. And like now I live in my fucking house and I work. Yeah. And you know, I go into Connor's office and I'm like, this is the thought I just had. Am I crazy? Am I weird? What's happening to me? And it's like, Let's just move on. Yeah. Go clean the house. Go make the bed. Go to the grocery store. Like enough. And yeah. so that has really been, you just have to tell yourself enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, easier said than done. Easy. Working on it. It's like that quote I posted <clears throat> from that book I saw where it said, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. It's kind is it kind yeah. of recogn- I'm not a perfectionist so I don't know this but is it kind of recognizing that perfection isn't achievable. Yes. And recognizing that it can't be achievable you're like okay I'm never going to reach that because that's impossible. So now I have to I can just be good with it. And I think perfection and certainty are linked. Mhm. You can't be certain about anything. Yeah. Except for 2 plus 2. You know, like mm-hmm. you can't be certain about performance, feelings, you know, all of these things in our like world are so immaterial. You can't like be 100% certain that you're yeah. going to succeed or yeah. not, you know what I mean? So I think working towards perfection and certainty is like, that is like the hallmark goal of obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. You know, the, cl- you know, we could go down a whole rabbit hole of OCD subtypes, but I think, yeah, to your point, when you realize that perfection is unattainable, that's when you start to regulate. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we have a whole episode on perfectionism. I want to say it's number seven. Mm-hmm. So if this is ringing a bell to you and you want to learn more about it, then definitely take a listen to that. Yep. That's a good one. Okay. This question hits close to home to me. So how do you tell the difference between quote unquote, giving yourself grace versus actually being lazy? Mm. (laughs) I had a full conversation with this with my therapist. Oh, really? And it was because it was after the July that I had a really hard time and I just felt so tired all the time so tired. And I told my therapist, like, there's this list of things I need to do every day. And all I want to do is sleep. And do you think that like depression and anxiety make you tired? Probably. Yeah. I'm always tired. Yeah. And but I then I children. also couldn't tell if it was my medicine. Cause I had just bumped up on Lexapro and, you know, granted Reddit isn't an accurate source of information, says, but ooh. a lot of people, we're saying they had reactions to Lexapro that made them very tired. And so she kept being like, you need to rest. This is your body telling you, you need to rest. Like you just got off of a pandemic with two children at home. You have a moment to rest, rest. But like in my head, I was like, no, this isn't resting. This is being lazy. I can't sit on the couch and watch a show when my kids are at school because that's when I need to be doing laundry, doing the dishes, cooking dinner, running air, like I can't, this is being lazy. Like I have such a thing against lazy. Like if I sit and see my husband, if I don't sit, if I'm in the kitchen doing something and my husband's on his phone, I have smoke coming out of my ears. Cause I'm like, why do you get to sit down and rest? He is so good at resting. (laughs) And I'm not saying that to be hurtful. He worked a long day. He knows that he needs a moment to rest. I can't. 
Are you seeing something else here that I'm not seeing? <laughs> it was just the way you said that. I don't know why I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I am also very good at resting. <laughs> I'm not. But I you. Can't. But I think honestly, like it goes back to this 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 discussion we keep having. Like moms aren't allowed to rest. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. You can't watch a show. You have laundry to do. There's always something that could be done. Always. And yeah. just like, it's almost like this thing of like, you feel like you don't deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's. I think, I don't know. It's such a different conversation when you have children. Yeah. But I would say <clears throat> I even before children, I would get very bored with on our weekends when we were just sitting at home. Like I needed some I needed activity for my brain. Like I needed so I was like, kids will kids will give me that activity. <laughs> oh boy. Sure did. did. Ever. Sure did. And I think some of it is personal. Like even the moment I put my son in like three days a week versus two, I was like, okay, now I got to start working and making money so I can justify having him in there. So I was put, I I like can't accept rest. And it's something, how do you, giving yourself grace versus rest. I think everyone needs to rest after the hell of a couple of years we just went through. How do you know if it's rest, if you're tired because you need to rest versus tired versus depression? That's another conversation because do you experience joy or like at times or is everything just gray? If everything's gray, you're not just tired. You're probably depressed. Yep. Um, I think knowing when to scale back on things like I finally around the holidays was like, I can't keep working and doing this podcast and doing everything I need to do for the holidays. I shouldn't have to put my kids to bed and then work three more hours at night and wake up early to do it. Like you need to be able to find a balance because you're going to get burnt out. Mm -hmm. um, I think giving ourselves grace is really hard to do. It's like this constant advertisement of being productive. How many videos do you see on social media of like, here's the day in my life. I wake up at 3.45 and I hit the gym and then I make hot lemon water and then I take my AG1 greens yeah. and then I do my skincare routine yeah. and then I do my devotional. And it's like yeah. 7.45. And I work 10 hours and then, yeah, I know. Do what you think fuck? that's hand in hand with capitalism? I honestly think it, it could be that, but I honestly think there is just this like extreme pressure on women to be so fucking productive. Hmm. And it feels like not, <laughs> it does not feel equal to men to me. Of course, when I'm like sitting on the couch watching housewives for the 70th hour of my week, like, or whatever, I think to myself, I could be starting a whole business with this time. But I don't want to. Yeah, good for you. I don't think you need to. <laughs> slash kind of have one here. But yeah, it is it is expectations and a little bit of personality. Um, yeah, 
I've gotten better about it. I feel like the home is my domain. And so I'm constantly surrounded by clutter and mess and stuff. And I think it has been drilled into me a few times that it is my domain, not, you know, not by Brian, I would say like society in general. And so it would be like going to work and not responding to emails that needed to be responded to that day. This stage of life is not the stage of life where I'm going to have a really good dinner on the table when my husband gets home. I do like to cook. I mean, that has gone by the wayside. It's not going to be the stage of life where my house is completely clean and organized and everything has a sp- like a space. And, you know, it's just not that stage of life for me right now. And I think some people can maybe balance that. I can't. I, my, I need rest. I feel like I'm still catching up from the past three years. So I feel that way, too. I feel like I had I had burnt I had like run myself into the ground trying to work my ass off trying to make something of myself professionally Mm -hmm. and I just like for better or for worse like had like sort of a little bit of a breakdown yeah and I was your body saying you need to rest every time I I guilt myself into laying down I'm like no you'll have plenty of time to run after a kid or you know, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. just, just do it. Yeah. yeah. So to answer this question, I don't know if there's such a thing as lazy. <laughs> I mean, I think there's lazy when one partner is not doing anything and one partner is. Yeah. To me, that's okay, lazy. That's, that's, that's like passivity. Good... That's lazy. Yeah. I don't even know if we answered this question, but I'm always going to err on the side of giving yourself grace because there will be a moment when you have energy to do the things. Also, I know this person and you are definitely not lazy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. How do you know you've gotten better? I would say when you have more good days than bad. I remember I hit a point when Ollie was 17 weeks when I was like, okay, I've had more good days than bad. I haven't. I've had days where I don't cry as much as days I do. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, it. I am getting better. Um, every day is not going to be sunshine and happy and joy, but you do experience joy. And there are days when you have energy and life feels good. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's kind of how you know. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I knew I started to get better from the deep, dark hole that I was in last year when I started to regularly make the bed. Oh yeah. I know that seems like super trivial, but I have never made my bed my whole life. I've never made my bed. Yeah. It has just sat there in a heap of covers. I'm not good at that either. Yeah. I've, and, and, um, Connor was like, why don't you just make the bed? And I was like, Really? That's so stupid. You sound like an 85-year-old military sergeant, you know, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And then like one day I made the bed. And then the next day I made it again. And then I made it again and again and again. And it just became this thing that I do. And it makes me feel like, okay, I'm not in the bed. Because when I'm in a depressed episode, the bed is like, uh. It's your hole. Yeah. That's where I want to be. And so to me, when I see that the bed is made and then I'm out of it, it's a little symbolic that like, all right. You have chosen to move forward with your day. Yeah. 
Um, so I think, you know, like what you said, incremental things that. And that's something you notice as part of your routine that is there and sometimes not there. Yeah. And I think also it, like recognizing like, oh my gosh, this is a happy moment. I'm having a happy moment. Yeah. I'm having like a really like deep belly laugh with my partner. Warmitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Warmitude. When you feel warmitude. Yeah. I think that's when you know you're getting better when you can feel warmitude again. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, you have one. Wait, my mom asked a question. Oh, well, she said what's on What's on the agenda for Friday? This. <laughs> this is what's <laughs> on the agenda, mom. Shout out to Janice. Um She's so sweet. She, she's so funny. Um you have a text? Right? I have a text. Or a message? Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is a really good one. what do you ask as a loved one to really find out how a person is actually feeling at the time without triggering more angst in that person? I have often felt no matter what is said, it was wrong. This, I'm trying to come at this from the person who often gets triggered by my own loved one Mm -hmm. asking me what's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, What's wrong with you? Oof. He would never ask me that, first of all. I ask him that. What's wrong with you? You're always happy. What's your problem? (laughs) I'm supposed to be. I cannot tell you how many times Connor will be like kind of in a funk, Uh which is like once every three months. Uh And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. And he's like, why can't I just be sad? And I'm like, well, that's not acceptable because I'm the sad one. You're There's not enough room be, in this relationship. Like, hello. Yeah. You're not, this is not your brand. I don't know. I kind of pounce on that. I'm like, fuck yeah, I was trained for this moment. Let's talk about why you're sad. Oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want a divorce? <laughs> um, uh, I think I know how to answer this okay, from go, my go. point of view. Support for me looks like someone saying how – a text that would say, how are you? Like, how are you really doing? Everything okay? Um, Offering, like, I'm here if you need anything. Um, It sounds really hard what you're going through. I don't want advice. I want acknowledgement. I want to hear, am I answering this right? I think what this person is asking is... How do I how do I get a person to tell me how they really feel without triggering? Well, it's going to trigger, right? Cuz they're de- they're diving into an emotion that is triggering for them. So the the worst thing you could do is be defensive, right? You have to say, I don't know. If we're talking about this person as your spouse, it, Brian and I have now gotten to a point where I can openly be like, I'm really anxious right now. And he can say, what are you anxious about? And I can list all of the things. And he listens. Sometimes he'll be like, okay, this isn't something we need to worry about right now, but I just need to get it out. I think that's really good. I think that's a really good question to ask. What are you anxious about? And don't say it in a tone. Tone is everything. What could you, what could you be what anxious about? What are you about? anxious about? The emphasis on the you. No, it has to be, what are you anxious about right now? I'm here if you want to talk. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes talking or writing it all out is a yeah. really good way. 
I think there's something to having humor about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. One time when I was pretty down, my friend said, after a conversation, and I think I shared this with you, she was like, you just need to, it seems like you just need to laugh a little bit right now. Here's a podcast that makes me laugh. Smartless, like it's funny. They just poke fun at each other. And I was like, she's right. I listen to constant self-help episodes of podcasts. I listen to constant I'm reading constant books about it. Like I'm just trying to figure it out so deeply that I just needed to Picking laugh. at a scab. Yes. I was like, I just need to watch Veep right now. Or I just need something that makes me laugh. Laughing is really a temporary Band-Aid or cure. Yeah, I but I think, I just think like when you can approach, it just really helps me when I'm like really deep down in the muck of it all. And I'm like, uh, I'm a failure or whatever. I'm whatever sort of like illogical storyline I'm telling myself at mm -hmm. the moment. And it's really making me struggle. Mm -hmm. It just helps for someone to be like <laughs> taking it was <laughs> just approaching it with just a little bit of humor. Yeah. Yeah. And like saying all the things that I want to hear yeah, and like making right. me feel because I think when you approach somebody that is clearly struggling with just like a little bit of humor mm -hmm. mixed with compassion, it makes them feel less crazy. I think that's why this podcast works for me so well. Yeah. Being with you is because we are able to weirdly laugh about it. Yeah. Because like mental illness is fucking funny. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it can be really funny. Like yeah. the things that like I do and say and then think about that I've done and said. Yeah. Is like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think I think to answer that question, how you don't trigger a loved one is to approach it with levity. Um I'm gonna need you to describe what that word means. <laughs> levity? Yes. Lightness. Okay. I think one of the things that I love so much about Connor is that he approaches everything in life with levity. Mm. It's not that big of a deal. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And I'm like, we will not figure it out. <laughs> it is a big deal in here. Yeah. You know, I've already backed myself into a corner and like have put, you know, all of these proverbial boundaries up and he's like, eh. Yeah. So I think, I think that can be a really, and I use the same approach with my sister hmm. when she's down in it, you know, Making her laugh. Yeah. And I can see her perk up immediately. Yeah. It's like a little flower. It works. Yeah. Congrats. You made it to the end of our show. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and leave a review. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. It will only cause us to spiral. We also want to reiterate that we are not experts, but please do call or text the people at the new mental health hotline at 988 because they are. Join in on the conversation on our Substack page at One Fry Short Pot. See you there.